Philippians chapter 2, 13 through 16 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. The book of Philippians was written by the Apostle Paul into God's inspiration and was written to those believers at Philippi, which made up the church there. He had them in his heart and in his prayers. If you read chapter 1, you find uh, they're in his heart, they're in his prayers, and he desired that they would grow and impact others for Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was uh, writing this letter uh, while he was in prison in Rome uh, for his uh, witnessing of Christ and his preaching of the gospel. But he had a good attitude, as you read through Philippians, a good attitude and perspective about it. He knew, as it says in the first chapter of Philippians, he knew that even if he was in jail, that it had happened to him, uh, and it he says specifically he had fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. He was just happy that the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for salvation was being preached and promoted. Even if it meant he was in jail, even if it meant he was persecuted, even if it meant uh, uh, others uh, maybe were steering away from him or were mocking him, it didn't matter. The fact that he uh, knew that Christ was being preached was worth it all to him. And this book or letter certainly has that hint of joy wrapped up in it. If you read through it, you see he says rejoice numerous times to them, uh, even though himself was in a place that most of us wouldn't rejoice. He was rejoicing and encouraging them who were being persecuted for their faith as well to rejoice. In Philippians chapter 2, where our main verses come from that we started with, we find encouragement and instruction for the believer as to how to be like Jesus toward other believers, toward ourselves, toward our God, and of course toward, toward the world that we live in. But let's notice in, verses, in verse 15 two phrases. The two phrases are, in the midst of... And among who? In the midst of and among who? That's the title of the message this morning, as you see. In the midst of and amongst who? This is in reference to Christians living in the world. The word nation there, as we see in verse number 15, in the midst of a cro crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The word nation there is a verse indicating a group of people, of course. And in this context, specifically as the idea of the present generation, those who were around them or that they were around. Certainly we could say today, and I wouldn't be a stretch at all to say we live in a crooked and perverse nation, meaning our own country. But in a more general sense, because of rejection of God and because of sin, we live in a crooked and perverse world. That is a, a world that is warped and distorted, which is where crooked and perverse has an idea as the idea of is it's warped and perverted and distorted. And certainly, I think if we look around enough, we'd see that. In the midst of this kind of nation, among whom we live, we're instructed in how we're to behave. Now, at this point, let me remind you that this is directed toward Christians. This is directed toward those who have admitted their sin before a holy God, who have believed in Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation, and who have called upon him to save them and to come into their life. 
Notice what Jesus did for us in verses 5 through 11. This is certainly the message of what Christ did for us. And if we would believe in him and what he did for us on the cross, we would have everlasting life. And this is the target audience, if you will, of this book. But look at verse number 5, if you would, for a second. Just go back a few verses. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And this is about Jesus, who being in the form of God, because Jesus is God, amen? He's not just uh, a good teacher. He's not just a moral person. He's not just a leader uh, of the Christian religion. Uh, he is God. He is God the Son. It says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, verse 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even uh, to the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so we read in these passages what Jesus did for us. Even though he's God, God the Son, he came down from earth and he put on flesh as a man. He humbled himself uh, uh, to, to, to uh, become a man, but also all God. And he became obedient to the will of God, which was to go to the cross to die for the sins of this world, of you and of me, and to be that sacrifice. He only could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And he died and was buried and rose again and exalted on the right hand of the Father. And every knee will, either in this life, uh, even in this world, or uh, when, when you die or when Christ comes, uh, exalt him and confess that he is who he says he is. Do you know this morning the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Do you know this God and Savior for yourself? That's who this is written to as we look at initially the context to believers. Are you a believer? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Not Jesus and your religion or your upbringing or your church attendance or your giving or your kindness, but Jesus alone for your salvation. You put your faith in this one who became obedient under the death, should have been our death, but under the death for us, so he could give us eternal life. I hope you have. As we consider this passage, we remember, of course, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of that devastating event that happened on 9-11 in America. It was a time that, of course, our nation was shaken, but also strengthened as the country pulled together and stood strong side by side. Many, in fact, and, and just... Remembering that time, many found the Lord and numerous folks flocked back to church and, and others renewed their faith to the Lord during that time. But much of that, unfortunately, didn't last all that long. And here today we find our, our nation, the group of people we're in the midst of, the group of people we're amongst, divided, fearful, confused, and weakened. And we can say with a warped and uh, uh, warped and distorted perspective, a crooked and perverse nation. Nevertheless, this morning, Christians, by the grace of God, do you know we can do something about it? We can do something about it. We, we have what God tells us to do here, and we can either lament the fact that we are in the midst of and among a crooked and perverse nation, and certainly we can see the truth of those things, uh, but what will we do about it? What will we do about it? You see, Christians are to live in the world, 
yet we are not to be like the world. We are different in Christ, and at the same time, we're supposed to make a difference for Christ. As we sang that song, Holy, 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 I, I reference 1 Peter where it says uh, that as he is holy, we're supposed to be holy. Right? That's set apart, distinct, different than the world around us. Of course, we, we cannot expect to make a difference if we are not different. We're distinct. We're a set-apart people. So believers this morning, how are we to behave in this nation, in this world, in this generation, this crooked and perverse generation, as it says here in Philippians, as Paul wrote this under God's inspiration in the first century, it's just as applicable as I preach it to you in the 21st century. How are we to behave in this generation, in this world, in this nation, in our community? How are we supposed to to live and behave in this crooked and perverse nation. Well, God gives us some help here if we'll take it. First of all, realize that God is working. Realize that God is working. Look at verse number 13 with me, if you would. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Realize this morning, as you look around and say, man, I'm living, I'm living uh, in the midst of and I'm living among uh, a wicked and perverse, a crooked and perverse nation, uh, uh, what can I do? First of all, let me suggest and recommend and share what the Bible says, and that is realize God is working. You may look at this old, old world and our nation and wonder maybe even what is God doing? Or is God doing anything? I, I think we can probably see at times what the devil is doing because the devil's certainly working. But know this, Christian, the Almighty God is working too. While we might not know the reason or the details of God's work presently or what he's doing at any given time, we know that he is still doing what he's been doing all along. He's working in people's hearts and lives, guiding them to his will and purpose. So what has God been doing all this time? He's working in people's hearts and lives and guiding them to his will and purpose. As we notice in the passage, first of all, God is working in people. God is working in people, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God is working in you. At the moment of salvation, the Spirit of God comes and abides within us, and he begins to do a work in us from the inside out. He begins to change us and uh, uh, straighten us out on some things and to, to help guide us in other areas and to mold us more and more to the image of Christ and to help us understand his word and apply it to our lives and help us find our purpose that we have in Christ. And he begins to work in us. We said a couple weeks ago, we read Philippians chapter 1, where it says, being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. And he's doing a work in you, Christian. He's doing a work in people. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, what he's working in us is not to please us. What he's working in us is not to do our will, but what he's working in you and what he's working in me and what he's working in every believer's life is to help us to live according to his will and to do things that will bring him pleasure and to do things that will bring him honor and glory. And listen, make no mistake about it. I know the devil's working for sure over time, but God is still working too. And guess where he's working? In you. Isn't that amazing? Because he uses us. 
See, what's, how does God work in this world? How does God get the gospel out? How does God help others? He does it through us. And he's working in people. God is working in people through Christ to change their heart, their mind, their character, their direction, and in turn to help change some things in the world. But notice also God is working through people. God is working through people. He's working in you, but he's also working through you. Verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will. That means he gives us that will and desire. And as a Christian, you ought to have a desire to please God. We ought to have a desire to do what's right, but also to do of his good pleasure. God is working through people. He not only wants to work in you and to change you and to conform you to the image of Christ and to make you what you ought to be and to, to share with you the purpose he has for you and to help you understand the word of God, but he also wants to work through you to do of his good pleasure and to make a difference in this world. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, this is after the great passages of 8 and 9 where it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then it goes on to say, after you're saved, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Right? When he created us new in Christ through salvation, he created us unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So he leads us to live righteously and to do good and to do his good work and mission. He leads us to do of his good pleasure and to show others who he is in our lives. You see, God is working through people to do good in his name, to impact lives with his truth. So how do we behave in this nation? The Bible says in verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom. So what do you do? First of all, I think we need to realize that God is working. Listen, don't cast off hope on God, uh, hope of God yet. Uh, don't say, well, no, God's just letting things just uh, happen as they are. No, God's still in control, and uh, he's still on his throne. He's still king and lord. Every knee will bow down to him, and uh, he's still working. You say, I don't see that he's working. Listen, he's working in you, and he's working in me, and he's working in other Christians, and he's working through us to do what? To fulfill his purpose, uh, uh, to follow his leading, uh, to reach others with the gospel, uh, to live out the word of God, to help others see Christ and the importance of him in your life. Uh, he's still working through others. I know this world that you're in the midst of and amongst is dark and confusing and discouraging, but know that God is working. He is working in and through followers of Jesus Christ. That's some hope there that I see as I look at this passage. Secondly, as we consider how do we behave, how do we behave amongst and in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation, realize that God is working to restrain your fleshly desires. Nothing good comes out of our flesh. But look at verse number 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. The beginning of verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless. Restrain your fleshly desires. Can I say it's easy to complain, to gripe, to fight, or to get angry in this world that we're among and in the midst of? See, that's the normal fleshly response. Our sin nature wants to rebel against God. Listen, we'll murmur and dispute against God too. Our flesh wants to murmur and dispute against others. That's a natural fleshly response. That's our sin nature to rebel. But can I tell you, you don't just have your sin nature now. You have the Spirit of God within you. And we're supposed to yield ourselves to the Spirit 
And if we yield ourselves to the Spirit, if we're uh, walking in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we've got to restrain our fleshly desires by yielding to God's Spirit. If we will be what we ought to be in our generation, we must restrain our fleshly desires by walking in the Spirit so that we'll be blameless and harmless as a testimony of Christ. We'll do damage to the testimony of Christ if we just react and respond in the flesh rather than thoughtfully and properly respond by the Spirit of God. What specifically should we refrain from? Well, it tells us here. Refrain from murmurings. Say, so what are murmurings? Murmurings are grumblings or grudging. No doubt leading to bitterness and just complainings. You know, it's, it's natural, and I say natural according to our flesh, it's natural to go through life murmuring, complaining, and grumbling about everything. But with Christ, we can do the supernatural of praising, rejoicing, and thanking God. Our spirit ought to be different than the world's. Well, listen, if, if we're just doing everything the world is doing, if we're just saying everything the world is saying, if we're just uh, uh, disputing and murmuring, complaining, just like the world is doing, there's no difference there. Let us refrain from murmurings, especially toward God. Oh, God, why are you doing this in my life? God, why are you doing this in this world? God, why are you doing this in this country? Murmuring against God. There's nothing wrong with asking him. But when you know it's grumbling, you know the difference between asking and grumbling, amen, and murmuring. Uh, but when you start getting bitter about it and you start being angry toward God or toward others, you've got to check your, check your spirit. Refrain from murmuring, but also refrain from disputings. Disputings are fighting, debating, arguing. Our flesh sure wants to fight and argue, amen? And to some of us, maybe more than others, I don't know. Some are more passive than others, but uh, we just want to fight, we want to argue. And, and there are things to fight about, amen? We are in the good fight of faith, the Bible says. So there are things we ought to live and die on. There are convictions and truths and beliefs in our Savior and His Word that we ought to... I'd be willing to stand up and fight for. And there are causes that are just and right and godly. But not everything is a point of debate. We must choose wisely in the spirit of that which we will dispute. If God leads, and it's in accordance with his word, speak up. If not, hold your peace. Let us be sure to not find ourselves fighting against God. I would say today our country is certainly consumed with the spirit of murmurings and disputings, wouldn't you? I would say that describes much of what we see around us. But should that be the Christian? Should that be us who are among? I know we're among and in the midst of, and it's, it's hard to keep that spirit about you. But God would have us to. That's why he left us in this world, so we're different. Light is different than darkness. Righteousness and holiness is different than ungodliness and worldliness. Walking in the Spirit is different than walking in the flesh. Being a child of God is different than being a child of the devil. And there ought to be a difference. Our country is consumed with that. But Christians, we're told to do all things without it. Again, it doesn't mean we don't stand up for what we believe. It doesn't mean we don't take up the cause when it's the cause of God and Christ. Certainly we ought to. We need to. But we got to examine, are we living by our own fleshly desires and leading or by the Spirit of God? And I think if we just 
before we do murmur or dispute, we just kind of get into prayer a little bit and, and ask God, where's this coming from? And ask God and, and make sure that this is in the spirit and not in the flesh. I think it'll flush out a lot of flesh. It's hard when you're in the midst of and among so many that desire to murmur and dispute. But as citizens of heaven, we must be this, bear the spirit of our king. It says, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in this world, blameless and harmless. You want to be blamed for something, be like Daniel. Be blamed for your faith. You want to be blamed for something, uh, uh, be blamed like Daniel. Be blamed for praying. You want to be uh, blamed about something and guilty of something, then be guilty of serving God. You want to be guilty of something, you want to be blamed for something, be blamed for living out the word of God and standing for truth. Don't fall into the traps in the world around us today. You say, how do I behave in this crooked and perverse nation in the midst of and amongst whom we live? Well, first of all, we need to realize that God is working. That brings us hope. Restrain your fleshly desires that helps us to keep walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. But thirdly, very important, recognize your position. Recognize your position. Look at verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. As we are in the midst of... Of and among wickedness, perverseness, and righteousness, confusion, fear, and doubt, we must remember that we're a called out people, adopted by God, and given a great purpose to impact this dark world. Notice our position as Christians, by the way, only because of Jesus. Number one, Christians are sons of God. We must consider our relationship with the Almighty God in our blessed position with Him. Being a child of God through faith in Jesus puts us in direct connection and with the protection of our Heavenly Father. Listen, man, we, we already have uh, one up on those that aren't Christians. A big one. We're connected to God. We have communication with the Almighty God who sees everything all at once. We're just seeing right now, this day, this year, but God sees everything. We're connected with the one who sees everything all at once. No time like we think with God. He sees it all at once and he knows what's going to happen. He's in control of it all. Nothing surprises him. And we have connection to this God to be able to communicate with him, to be able to talk with him, to be able to ask him for wisdom, to be able to get strength and grace. We also have his protection. As we yield ourselves to him and his will, he won't allow anything to happen to us that he's not in charge of. We can trust him. And no matter what happens, we have the promise from him of heaven being with him for all eternity. Romans 8, 17 through 19 tells us, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with them, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, man, all that we have in Christ, 
No matter what goes on in this life, no matter what suffering you face, no matter what afflictions you're under, no matter what we're dealing with as a people, or as a country, or as Christians, uh, we, we can know uh, that one day what's coming is so much better in comparison to anything we can endure. And beyond that, man, we're just waiting for that time to be up with Him. But until we're up with Him, we're down here living for Him and applying these truths we're talking about today. Christian, you are a child of God. Don't forget that. And remember that you also have brothers and sisters in Christ. That'll help you through this life. And if we just say, well, I'm just going to go alone and by myself, you're missing out on a resource and on God's will for you to, to be surrounded with brothers and sisters in Christ, to be surrounded with those that can help and encourage you so that when you're in the midst and among this crooked and perverse nation, you're not alone. You have others beside you that are going the same way, even if everybody else is going the other way, that are shining the light, even if it's amongst the darkness. You'll have others with you doing the same. Christians are also not only sons of God, but we're shining lights, holding forth the word of life. Notice it says, among whom you shine as lights in, this, in the world. We're not only children of God, but we also have a purpose from God. We are to shine our light. That's our testimony for Jesus Christ. We are to shine that light in this dark world. And we do that by holding forth the word of life, the gospel of Christ and his precious word. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. All right, we're not supposed to hide that light. We're not supposed to hide the fact that we're following Jesus. We're not supposed to hide the truth of the true light, capital L, Jesus. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Right? And I mean, we don't deal with candles too much, I guess maybe just for scent, but, or if the power goes out. But if the power goes out, and we're used to that up here, you don't light a candle and then stick it in a cupboard somewhere. Or stick it under a blanket, besides that being dangerous. You're not going to get any light. Right? That'd be foolish. That's not the purpose of light. The purpose of light isn't to be hidden. The purpose of light is to, be, to, to shine in the darkness so that we can see. And we're supposed to be that light to shine the true light to everyone around us. Let me keep reading. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth the light unto all that are in the house. Then Jesus said, let your lights so shine before men. So shine, just like that. Not hid, but revealed. Not tucked away somewhere, but out so everybody can see it. Not everyone will appreciate the light, but they'll have the light. And they'll have the opportunity to see if they want to. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. What you're doing for Christ. We just said we're created in Christ Jesus under good works, right? Because of Christ and for Christ to glorify him. That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our light is pointing to the true light. Our testimony is pointing to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, what God has done in us is pointing to what Jesus did for us. And uh, we're supposed to shine that light. And it says holding forth the word of life. We have our personal testimony, but that's built upon what the Bible says. And we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the word of God, which all through it points to Jesus that we can take and use as we go day to day in our daily business in this world, in this life, to shine the light of Christ. We do that with our 
with our ways and our works, but also with our word as we tell others what Jesus did for us. Let's not forget that we have a mission while we're here. We shine as lights in this world. As we obey the Lord in this regard, we will see God working and really won't have time to murmur and dispute. If we witness as much as we murmur and dispute, I think we'd see God working and our mind would be so far from the troubles and it'd be put more on what God is doing. And we'll have time to praise him and to worship him, but not time to complain. Not time to dispute. Not time to fight against God or others. I encourage you to recognize your position in this life as you are in the midst of and among this nation. You are a son of God or child of God and you're a shining light. Things can look bleak and hopeless and discouraging and dark in this world as we go our way. No doubt. And some, maybe you face it worse than others. And some, maybe you're going through a, a, a discouraging and bleak and hopeless time. But if you're alive, you're in the midst of and among whom for a purpose. Can I encourage you to realize God is working? To refrain from fleshly desires and to recognize our position through Christ. Christians are different so that we can make a difference. God works in us. It helps us so we can help others. We want to keep our focus and remember our responsibility as we continue in the grace and strength of our Lord. Let's go back to the passage there in Philippians chapter 2 with those thoughts this morning of realizing God is working, refraining from fleshly desires, and recognizing our position. Let's read it again, verse number 13. For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Can I just say right here, just yield, it, yield yourself to God. You say, but I'm trying and I'm trying. Listen, instead of trying, yield. Instead of you trying to do this and to do that and just mustering up your strength, just surrender. Just surrender your heart to God. If God has your heart, he'll have everything else. If you give over to him to have his will, he can work in you. As much as we're trying to do it and we're trying to make it work and we're trying to do what we think is best, and we're going to fail. But if you yield yourself to God, because it's God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure, he'll give you the desire and the ability to do what he wants you to do. And then he says, verse 14, do all things. Those things that you do of his good pleasure, do them without murmurings and disputings. Why? Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless. Not that people won't blame you, but what they blame you for, there won't be any merit to. Right? Because people will blame you. People will accuse you. I mean, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And there'll be accusations. There'll be blaming. But if you've lived before God the way he wants you to in his will, there'll be no merit to any malicious uh, accusations or blame against you. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. God looks out for his own. Without rebuke. Even if they try to accuse you, there'll be nothing. It'll be empty. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, a nation that's twisted and perverted and confused, what about this nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice, Paul says, in the day of Christ. Paul is 
instructing them under God's inspiration of this is how, this is how you need to live. Why? So he, he wants to be able to rejoice in the day of Christ. When Christ comes back, he wants to see that he's not run in vain, neither labored in vain as he's tried to help them and encourage them in those things. And the Apostle Paul tried to live this way himself, just kept his focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we press forward in this world and as you go back in the midst of and as you're amongst the world we live in, may you apply these truths to your life and see that God can keep your focus and your perspective in the right way and help you to live a life where indeed you do shine some light in the darkness and make a difference in your world.